Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Introduce a little anarchy. Upset the established order, and everything becomes chaos. I'm an agent of chaos. All you care about is money. This town deserves a better class of criminal. I'm gonna give it to them. Tell your men they work for me now. This is my city. Hello and welcome to the 8th episode of AI Movie Night. I'm your host, Joe Simpson, and tonight I'm joined by three great guests to discuss the absolute classic that is The Dark Knight. Firstly, I'm joined by Rory Greenfield, who writes and podcasts for the Anfield Index. How are you, Rory? I'm good, thanks, mate. Nice to be here again. Oh, thanks very much for joining me, mate. I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on this one. Good stuff. Oh, thank you. I'm also joined by Stuart Britson who, as well as being a massive Liverpool fan, is also a massive Batman fan and has a hell of a lot of knowledge on it. And I look forward to hearing all his knowledge coming through. He's a must-follow on Twitter if you love football and film, so get following him. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for coming on. Really looking forward to your thoughts. A pleasure. Thank you. And I'm also joined by the Queen, as she calls herself, the Queen of AI. Nina Carzer, the host of the excellent Nina Carzer show. How are you, Nina? I'm great, thanks. Uh, I'm like a bad smell on the movie night podcast. I'm always here. <laughs> no, no, you're you're always welcome. You're always welcome. Um, thanks again for joining me. Obviously, it's such a long film, and there's so much in it. I'm going to dive straight into it. So, firstly, I'm just going to get started with asking. Firstly, Rory, can you remember when and where you first saw it, and what your reaction to it was at the time? Yeah, so I remember I remember going on my way to see it at the IMAX and being absolutely blown away by it, really. I was, I think I was away when the first film came out, so I kind of missed all the buzz about it, and I probably saw it you know, a couple of years later, and I was like, 
this is just like nothing I've seen. You know, you know, Nolan I'd followed as a director. And he's obviously got a special way in terms of the way he directs and the kind of tone he sets in his films. But I, I just never thought the crossover would work. Um, and having watched the first one, you know, I had to go and see the second one. Um, I think I saw it at the cinema at least twice. And yeah, I was absolutely blown away by it. I think the visuals at the time, the cityscapes and the cinematography was just mind-blowing for me. And I think it, it kind of pushed boundaries at the time that not many other films were, were going to. I think uh, most people had a similar reaction to that. Uh, that. That definitely resonates with myself. What about yourself, Stuart? What was your reaction when you first saw it? I don't actually remember the, where I saw it. Mm-hmm. I, I've been thinking now and I can't for the life of me remember where or who I was with. I've got a feeling it was probably with a friend of mine that I was living with at the time. But in terms of what I thought, I, I was absolutely blown away. I, I don't think the magnitude of it really hit until I watched it the second time. Because I think I watched it twice in the cinema and it was only really the second time that I was able to properly soak it all in and accept what a huge film it was. And I also really regret that I didn't watch it in IMAX. Yeah, I think a lot of people feel like that. It's one of them. Once it's gone, that first viewing in particular, once yeah. that's gone, you can never get it back. And as you say, this is probably the ultimate IMAX film, or at least it was at the time. This was the big one that everyone wanted to see at IMAX. So I know exactly where you're coming from there. What about yourself, Nina? What about when you first saw it and your reaction? Well, I remember when it was like initially released and it was it was around about July 2008 and my sister was getting married and obviously we were just so busy we couldn't actually quite watch it then. As soon as she got married, it was around about August time, went and watched it. Unfortunately, I didn't watch it in the IMAX and uh, with with a friend, and we just we just watched it. And for me, um, I was more of a Batman fan from like the Tim Burton days. I, I like the the gothic dark element to the way he kind of made films. And I purely went to watch this one purely because of Heath Ledger, and I just thought he was a phenomenal actor, and I just wanted to see what he brought to the Joker character. Went to watch, and and I was like the lads, completely blown away, and I was like. Was that really that good? Do I need to go and watch that again? And that's exactly what I did. I went back again and I watched it and, yeah, completely blown away. And I loved it so much that um, when the follow-up, The Dark Knight Rises, was released and everyone was saying it's the best one they've seen and it's better than this one, I I made a a point of not watching it because I didn't (laughs) think that anything could top this. Well, you were right. It, it it definitely didn't top this, although I do like it. it. It doesn't compare to The Dark Knight for me. Like Rory, I first saw it in IMAX, and it was the perfect film for that, as Rory said. It was basically it's a beautiful film. It's an action film, but it's really beautifully shot. I think we'd all agree on that. And also, it's got action that's brilliant, real stunt work as well as CGI. Um, it's also, it's um, that score is just pounding. And obviously it's got an intelligence running through it and the characters and the performances. And, and ultimately, like most films, the script is what it really stands on and the script's fantastic. And I just think I can remember coming out of the cinema and literally being drained through through it, how much was in this film and the sort of roller coaster it took me on. And I think as well with that pound and sort of score, as I say, I think I was actually drained from 
from what it, it almost took out of me. I know that sounds melodramatic, but I think some films like that, they grip you that much and your adrenaline's going that it really does have a real effect on you. And that's definitely what it had for me. And it's it, the kind it, of film when you when you come out of the cinema, it's the kind of film that you've kind of forgotten where you were yeah. a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, Inception was the kind of same, I think. That oh, was totally. And it's just, I watched that in IMAX, same cinemas, you know, and it's the same kind of thing. And it was the same principle. Nolan has that kind of way about him that just kind of engrosses you into watching it. And you just come out thinking, Jesus Christ, you know, time obviously flies, but it's it's a two-hour, 40-plus movie. So it's, it's, uh, it's a hell of an epic film. Yeah, spot on. That's a great point. With Nolan films and them two in particular, you're completely immersed, aren't you? And it, it has so much more effect on you because of that. I'm now going to look at some of the, the performances and obviously characters in the film. I'm firstly going to look at uh, Christian Bale's performance and the character of Bruce Wayne and Batman, obviously, in this film and, and the previous film, if, if you would like uh, to discuss that also. So firstly, if you could tell me what your thoughts are on this, please, Stu. Well, for me, I think he's, he's the only actor that's properly done Batman. Um, the, mm-hmm. the I, I didn't mind the Schumacher films, but they were a bit too slapstick. Yeah, and I think this was the first time that they've ever really done Batman as as dark as he is, where you sort of start to question who's the mask. Is it Bruce yeah. Wayne who disguises himself as Batman, or vice versa? And I know a lot of people pick up on the voice because it is a bit funny, but <laughs> you can see why he's doing it because he, he's trying to disguise who he is. Because otherwise, someone, someone eventually is going to cut on and go, hang on, that, that's Bruce Wayne. But yeah. in terms of performance, I, I don't see how he could have done any better. He was physically in incredible shape. He looked every inch here, the here. Batman. <laughs> yeah. I think you might have appreciated it on a slightly different level, though. <laughs> No, uh, I think you're spot on there. I think the, the Schumacher films for me, they didn't really appeal. I'm not saying they haven't got merits. You know, a lot of people like them. You know, uh, they're not bad films, but they're just not up my street, really. Whereas this, this is a, obviously it's still a comic book character, but it's more real and it's more believable and as you say, things like the voice, which he's had a lot of stick for, yet it is quite funny. You know from the outside but essentially you you believe in a guy dresses as a bat and fights crime <laughs> you know so you know one what you know once you're doing that you i've got to make some leaps and as you say you know christopher reeve saying superman and i love christopher reeve and i love superman but he just used to put his glasses on and no one noticed <laughs> you know it, it's one of them so i think it, I, I, i'm grateful that he does put on such a different voice because you don't want it to be too obvious. Obviously, I know people would really work it out in real life, but at least it makes that attempt to fully distance himself as much as possible from, obviously, the Bruce Wayne voice in that instance. What about yourself, Nina? Well, I think what he bought was sophistication. He was mm-hmm. he he looked the part, the costume. You know, I, again, I agree with the voice. When I first heard it, I did snigger. It's just natural. But the more you kind of watch it, because I, I think we've all watched this film like <laughs> at least a hundred times or more, <laughs> and you know, you just kind of think, yes, he needed to put on that voice, and he kind of had to kind of disguise himself. And I think he's a, probably a more serious Batman. Yes, I did like yeah. like I said, I was a huge fan of the Tim Burton ones, but that was purely because I grew up with them. And they were a bit sort of 
they just look like sort of comic book films. As for this one, actually had the Hollywood, the glamour element, the gadgets, everything. He was the part. A lot of people tend to not really like Christian Bale, and but I, I completely agree. For me, he he was the best Batman, and I think the thought of somebody like Ben Affleck playing him kind of just makes me shudder. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm not really. I'm not feeling Ben Affleck at all. I'm, no. I'm disappointed. At, as it's a like George Clooney all over again, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm disappointed as a DC fan that they weren't able to get Christian Bale as Batman in a Justice League film because I think he, he's now become the Batman. Yeah. I think it, it got to the point, I think he probably needed his separation from it as well as anyone else because it starts to define someone's career when I think... Bale, when he's at his finest, is so like The Machinist and uh, Rescue Dawn's a really good film. Any, any role that really pushes him kind of mentally, you can kind of see that he really acts above and beyond. But I, I do give him a lot more credit than, you know, I, I, everyone knows Heath Ledger kind of steals the show. Um, but, you know, having watched it back recently and watched kind of the whole trilogy again recently, he is so much better than I gave him credit for at the time. Because I think there was a bit of bad press around his ability. But I think he's good as the Batman, but I think he's really good as Bruce Wayne. I think, you know, in terms of when he's he's not, he's, he plays it so well, you know, he, the scenes when he's, I think, is it this film or maybe the first film when he, he jumps in the, the pool at the restaurant or the hotel, which is basically like a, he's got yeah. two models in with him and stuff and he, he's out of his Lamborghini and he, you know, he, he fits the bill more than a, a Batman has for a very long time. Um, and I think, yeah, the voice aside, especially in the one with Tom Hardy um, as Bane when, the voices are just beyond ridiculous. Um, I think I think he nails it really. Yeah. No, I I, I, I totally agree with that. And I think you, you touched on this. Then I think what he does really well is he in some scenes he he's got to play the spoiled playboy, you know, act of Bruce Wayne and the real Bruce at times in the same scene without it being obvious that the playbook bits and act, you know, like the bits, with, we'll talk about it later, yeah. obviously, but some of the bits with Harvey, bits of the real him come through, come through and he's got a sort of temper that he's still got to keep up the act to some extent, but he wants some of his real sincere, you know, appreciation for Harvey to come, come through. And it's like a nice balancing act. I think that he, he manages to juggle the two and, and, and both, both of them come across well and it's you know it doesn't you know i presume it, it'd probably be easy for it to become a bit laughable with you know that act within within the same character but i think he nails it really it, it, you obviously it was touched on then by yourself rory about uh, Heath Ledger's performance and the character of the joker uh, t- tell me a bit more of your thoughts about his performance it's probably the most surprising performance an actor's delivered for me full stop which is quite a bold statement but you know, Nina kind of touched on it, how much uh, we, we talked about it before, how, how much of a fan she was of, of Heath, really, in all his films. And I, I'd always liked him. He's always charismatic and he always had that kind of presence on screen. But to transform into that role and, and play truly psychotic, you know, he plays it like, I don't know if another villain's ever played, played that well. You know, I, obviously the original films and, and everyone can talk about you know, uh, the Penguin, played by Danny DeVito, which is excellent, and obviously Jack Nicholson, uh, you know, uh, in the former role. 
but I, it's just it's just mesmerising whenever he's on screen, and and you just. I, you know, I, I'm genuinely blown away. I know we all talked about it that we watched this film again yesterday, um, just as a little bit of a refresher. But I watched it again, and there's just certain scenes in the film where you just can't really believe it's him. You know, he never got the impression he could he could fulfil a role to, to those demands. And obviously, he's been a brilliant actor, and he's done other really fantastic films and very diverse but yeah he, he genuinely surprised me and you know thoroughly deserved you know all the all the acclaim and obviously there's a lot of sadness that goes goes in part with it but you know the oscar was fully deserved um and yeah it was just incredible yes yeah, summed up perfectly there I agree with every word what about yourself nina what were your thoughts on on this uh, Heath Ledger performance and the character of the joker I think he was everyone's favourite character, wasn't he? I mean, you, you kind of laughed at, you know, the stuff that he said, stuff that he did. And it was probably one of those only rare occasions where you kind of warmed towards the baddie more. Could that be because the character was so great? Could it have been purely because, if you know, we, I think we're all Heath Ledger fans, but because obviously he's no more and you kind of felt the need to kind of really get behind him even more. But if you actually look at, the character of the Joker and just Heath Ledger. And you look at the world-class actors that were in that film, Gary Oldman, Michael Caine, Morgan Freeman, Christian Bale. And he, and this is such a bold statement, but he, and they were all great, but he acted them all off the park. Yeah, you're, you're right there to draw that parallel. You know, what what a great cast. And yeah, and, and all of them perform at the worst very well, if not better than that. And he was just a level above. Obviously, part of that's the role. It's more of a showy role, but his performance, you're right, it was mesmerising. And I think Christopher Nolan said, mm. you know, it's that good that, like, he says every set you ever work on as a director, everybody's good. You know, even the people on the crew, a lot of them tend to be good at impressions and stuff. He said, but, but no one's ever been able to do a good impression of that joker. They can get little bits of it. Mm but he can never put it all together in the way he did. And I think that shows how, you know, such a unique and, uh, you know, instantly memorable performance it was. And, it, it was the costume know. and the makeup and everything. Everything was just so spot on with him. And, you know, even his um, non-verbal acting, like the whole twitching and, you know, just he yeah. just brought so much to that character. And considering Jack Nicholson played it, like um, Rory just said previously, and you know those were big shoes to fill, and he he went above and beyond. You can't give the guys enough credit for what he brought to this role. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And um, what about yourself, Stu? What were your thoughts on on that? that obviously, that that performance. I think Rory summed it up perfectly in one word: surprising. When I saw he was cast, I thought he he's good. But is he good enough to play a truly psychotic, ruthless, maniacal villain? And it was perfect. It's one of, if not the best, portrayals of a character I've ever seen in my life. And he deserves every single ounce of praise and every single accolade that he's received. And a point that Nina just picked up on then, something that really fascinates me is the makeup. The way as the film goes on, his makeup becomes worse and it starts to run and it almost looks, it, it's like he's ill and he's getting worse. And when by the time you reach the interrogation scene, which is my favourite, 
he looks even at the beginning if you compare it he goes from looking relatively normal for a guy in clown makeup to looking almost diseased and he looks hideous but while he's looking hideous he's laughing and he's cracking jokes and it's it's astonishing I, I i never believed he was capable of putting in that kind of a performance of that kind of a character but then when you hear after he died he kept a journal of when he was he was almost living as the joker and then you start of you start to understand how he got into that mindset he literally became the joker just for a film it it's, it blows my mind it really does every time i watch it yeah, some great points you make there, Stu. Um, particularly interesting to me is that one you mentioned about the, the makeup. Um, I remember reading something, and obviously with a lot of these things, you're never sure how much is true and what's not. But I remember reading Heath Ledger did a lot of his own makeup himself and designed it. And it, it, his argument for that was because obviously the, the Joker himself would be doing it. So it made sense for him to do it and to have some of that sort of natural look that it's been done by someone who isn't a professional makeup artist. So I found that interesting. As you say, it's good that it deteriorates throughout the film, in particular, as you say, in the interrogation scene where it makes sense, obviously, you know, that it that it will be deteriorating then with what, it, what he's going through at the time. Another thing I'd like to say on the Joker and his performance totally agree with you all absolutely mesmerizing performance you know one of the most memorable i've ever seen definitely is uh, i haven't read the previous comics and so my only really reference for the joker is the the tim burton film and the, the the tv series so because of that i must admit i could never take the Joker character serious as a as a potential threat to Batman, and I can remember even in the build up to this film, although I was excited to some extent because I'd loved the first one, I did think with the Joker as the the ad- adversary for Batman, I was a bit unsure. I thought, you know, how can he re- be a real threat? You know, this sort of almost comedic character, but his performance was so good. It, it, the Joker was a, a real real threat a worthy adversary he was and he was genuinely frightening you know as well as having those comical moments darkly comical he had that intelligence and he had no fear and essentially no rules in contrast to batman i think you put those two things together or those things together with a performance so good and it just it blew me away it really did and uh, the other thing I'd like to say is, and I'm sure we'll discuss this later, I also love the mystique of not knowing how he really got those scars. But uh, obviously we've talked a lot about those performances. We could go on with the other characters. You know, there's so many good performances, but I'm now going to look at some of, you know, some of the scenes from, from the film. And the first one I'm going to look at is uh, the heist scene where we get our first introduction to the Joker. So well, any thoughts on that scene, Nina? I think it just instantly grabs you, doesn't it? The fact that that's the opening scene and, you you know, they go in, they, they, they rob a bank and it's just like they all have a little instruction where they have to kill each other and it's just it's just <laughs> brilliant. And I think, again, you, you, you get your first viewing of the Joker and, you know, and his opening line, which was... I believe whatever doesn't kill you simply makes you a stranger. Brilliant. <laughs> it, you know, it just instantly, it just captures you. And the thing, I mean, obviously we're going to talk about each, you know, all the iconic scenes, but the great thing about this film is it's constantly moving. There's something happening all the time. 
And even though it might be two hours and 40 minutes long, it doesn't feel like that because everything is just so fast moving. And I think yeah. that that scene just sets the tone perfectly for the entire film. Yeah, no, you're spot on, spot on. What about yourself, Stu? What were your thoughts on, on that scene? It was. It's a very good introduction. It's very strong and straight away it brings you straight in to the Joker's mindset. He's got the... Yeah. The maniacal side but he's also got the comedy side where the guy asks him if the bank manager has had all of his shots and he says he has knowing that he's going to get shot because he clearly doesn't care everyone else that's there is just a tool so that he can get what he needs and then the little bit where he leaves the guy with the grenade in his mouth he thinks he's going to get his head blown off and then just a little puff of smoke comes out as he pulls away it's it's perfect joker it's everything all rolled into one into just a few minutes. Yeah, no, couldn't agree more. As you say, it's that is that perfect introduction to the character within like you know five minutes. As you say, you know so much about that character. You know his intelligence. He's got this meticulous plan that goes off like clockwork. How ruthless he is, killing all his other men. As you say, his lack of fear. You know he doesn't care. It's a mob bank. In fact, that that's the extra thrill for him. And then, as you say, that sick sense of humour with the smoke and grenade at the end of it. You know, it, it it tells you everything you need to know about the Joker and what he's going to be like for the rest of the film. And just you straight in there with that. What about yourself, Rory? What were your thoughts on that scene? I don't. Yeah, not much to add, really. That's kind of that kind of nails it. What Stu said. I think the one thing I'd say it's that no fear element that I love because obviously the guy says. I'm betting the Joker told you to kill me as soon as we loaded the cash. No, 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 no. I killed a bus driver. <laughs> and he, he just edges backwards, you know, two or three steps quite calmly. <laughs> you know, he's got a gun in his face. Um, and he says, what bus driver? And obviously backs up through the wall. And it's that kind of uh, confidence and, and, and arrogance, which, you know, to display that in, in an opening scene, it's a pretty bold opening. And, it, it, you know, it introduces the characters as well as you could do and, and you know, sets the film up in, in the manner that it's going to go on. So, and like Nina said, it's the pace of everything. I think that's the, the way it's shot. If you watch that scene in particular, obviously flashes, you know, to each different scene, you know, breaking in through the ceiling for the vents and then obviously the vault and then and the bus scene and stuff. And it, you can just see the way it's shot and, 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 you know, shooting of a film sometimes obviously doesn't get a lot of praise, but it, it makes everything run so smoothly and it, it makes a film a lot more engrossing and, and you know, that just typifies the way Nolan film is, really. Yeah, no, so totally agree with all of that. And obviously the next scene we're going to discuss a little later in the film continues that sort of, you know, that that introduction of the Joker, it's now we're now getting to see even more of him with the, the mob meetup and the Joker's arrival and you know making his offer to them. Uh, any thoughts on that scene in particular, Rory? Yeah, so that's obviously uh, again the fearlessness of it all. You know, he, he knows he's going in with a you know with a grenade belt strapped to him and he's he's got the confidence of that. But the dark comedy that everyone will always remember, and I, I vividly remember the cinema reacting quite quite shocked to the to the disappearing pencil um (laughs) (laughs) because i just don't think anyone you know because that level of violence but done that well because you know it's it's extremely violent act and but it's done with such subtlety that 
you know, the guy, you know, the Slovak guy, is extremely impressed with him for it. Um, <laughs> yeah, he absolutely riles the, the hell out of one of the other mob bosses. And, and, you know, it's that kind of attitude and approach. And, yeah, it, it's a really good, it's it's a good scene. And it obviously displays his intentions. And he's basically saying, you know, I know who you are, but I've robbed your money. And, you know, uh, this is what you need to do with the Batman. And, and I'm in charge, more or less, which is, you know, from scene two of his part of his, his film. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good scene, really good scene. Yeah, I can remember one of my friends who we used to work with before I'd seen it going on and on literally every day about the Joker going on and on about him and I was I remember thinking oh we can't be that interested in the character and he'd always go oh, there's one scene in particular that is just amazing and everyone's shocked but everyone's laughing and like it it really did live up to expectations when I finally did see this performance and obviously as you say that that magic trick with the pencil that no one will ever forget what about yourself Stu? It's it's already really been said. I mean, the, the bit with the pencil is brilliant. To to have the balls to walk into a room full of twenty, thirty dangerous mob bosses, they're all presumably carrying weapons, and to go in carrying a coat full of grenades, knowing that if one of them manages to get the drop on him, he's finished. But he's still got enough in him to do a little party piece just to show his dominance. That no matter what they all think, he's the one that's in control. He's got the room. And he tries to turn the attention, pointing to the TV and saying how he knows a grass and he knows that um, he'll give them up at the first available opportunity. And the way he works the room, it's just from someone who's, who's read the Joker for a while. It's classic Joker. He, he fears no man. No situation is too scary, but also no situation is too serious that you can't have a little bit of a joke. Yeah, t- totally agree. It's as you say, he comes in there and it really sells, you know, his lack of fear. As you say, these solid mob bosses, you know, tooled up, hardened criminals. He doesn't care. He's not afraid of anyone. He'll tell them that, yes, it's him who stole their money. You know, he's going to offer the services and he's just not intimidated by them at all. And obviously, I'm sure that they're definitely not used to that treatment, but he handles it so well that he gets out of there alive, as you say. What about yourself, Nina? Well, call me sick and twisted, but I found the pencil scene absolutely hilarious. Uh, (laughs) I I couldn't stop laughing. I mean, I found it hilarious first time and it's it's still funny to the point where as I was watching the film last night, I actually Snapchatted it and sent it to one of my friends. And, (laughs) you know, because that scene is just, it's the one that that you'll remember. But even in that room with, with all the mob and, you know, he's toying with them and he calls them out for having group therapy sessions in broad daylight <laughs> and how they, have to, how they all have to kind of stick together and how he knows the screamers and Lau's a screamer and Batman will get him, you know, and he put he instilled a lot of fear in the mob people that almost like they need him despite him sort of um, having them off by taking their money. And, and then when they called his suit cheap, and he, he turned around and he went, it weren't cheap, you are a no, you, 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 bought, you paid for it. And then someone <laughs> calls him crazy and he just turns and he's like, no, I'm not crazy. And he's, you know, like the way he just twitches. So you see the schizophrenic personality, it's just, it's just brilliant. He's absolutely brilliant. And like the lads have just said, the way he worked that room, just fabulous. Yeah. Yeah, totally agree. And I think you touched on there as essentially his intelligence. You know, he's um, he isn't as crazy as he acts. And, you know, essentially that's part of his act. Obviously, his goals are crazy. 
but in some ways he isn't. You know, he, he he's very insightful, very intelligent. He perfectly assesses everything. He knows. He says the reason the police are doing this is because of Batman. They wouldn't have dared take them on in the past. He's been the game changer, and you know that's why they're meeting in the day. And he knows how scared they are. He, he just assesses it all perfectly. But he's not crazy, or or at least he is crazy with the goals, as I say. But he's got a backup, as Stuart touched on. He's got them grenades. He hasn't just come in there, you know, without something to protect them. He's clever enough to know he's got to have a fallback in case they do get out of hand. And just, I, I, I love so many of the lines in it. Obviously, we've touched on the magic trick and uh, that one, Colin Lau. I can always tell the squealers. I just love it. And I, I, I love that line as well. good at something never do it for free that's just a brilliant line i think uh, but just that whole scene is just brilliant isn't it the next scene we're going to look at is uh, the essentially the action scene of batman getting lao back from hong kong which i think is one of the best bits of the film definitely from an action standpoint what what are your thoughts on that scene nina it's just so perfectly filmed isn't it you know everything is all about perfect timing he has to sort of leave his yacht, get on a plane and, you know, just how every how he has to be on time for everything. And obviously Morgan Freeman there going to meet Lau and obviously planting that device. And it was something so different from like a Tim Burton film. It was it was classy. It was classic. It's iconic. You're going to look back at that in, say, 30 years and it's you're not going to cringe at it. It is probably one of the best action scenes that you've seen and, you know, just how he does it. And I think the word to describe it is just sleek. It was just perfect. No, couldn't agree more there. What what about yourself on on that, Rory? Um, I obviously admire the action's incredible and obviously the way it all timed and planned. I like Morgan Freeman's little cameo in that that scene where he's obviously clearly distracting him. Even his little scene on his exit when he's obviously got the the duplicate mobile phone and he he obviously baffles the security guard. It's it's really good. I mean, Morgan Freeman obviously maybe touch upon, but he just brings such a class to the film. And I mean, obviously, last time I was on, I was talking about Shawshank, but he's obviously it's a minor role for him, even though he's in all three films. But he, he he's very good in the in the scenes he's in. He's just got a lightness about him, which you know, which reflects really well. And I, th- I think from a kind of shooting perspective and cinematography and cityscape and stuff, I love yeah. seeing cities, especially, you know, cities of light, you know, Hong Kong and stuff, you know, being filmed in those manners and those aerial shots. And I think a lot of film, that's where films kind of come of age in recent years. You know, the way things are shot, the technology used, obviously the, the, the camera frame and the rate and stuff, but it, it, it just looks stunning and, and like, like Nina said, it's not going to age that kind of scene. You know, there's the the whole trilogy isn't probably going to age. People will always look back, and and I, I wouldn't think you can find fault in in the whole trilogy as such in, in the way it, you know it watches because there's a lot of older films in that that you know you look back to, and especially the older Batman films. The Tim Burton ones don't necessarily age because they're shot in a Tim Burton style. The Schumacher ones. <laughs> Jesus Christ, do they look out of date? They look nineties as as they come. And I think, did he do a Clooney one? Did Schumacher do the Clooney one? I think he did. One? Yeah, I think it was him. Yeah, with it, Batman and Robin, because yeah. it's probably one of the worst films I've ever seen. I'll be honest. Um, and the the Clooney suits in particular, the Batman suits, quite iconic for just looking 
so irregular. And I think that's the thing. Everything about the film, you know, costume design, it's all so slick. And I think this, you know, that scene in particular is just so smooth. It's really, really good. Yeah, good, great points there. I mean, particularly, as you say, on how it looks. I mean, if I was wanting to show someone a, a new television now, yeah, I, 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 could, I could arguably throw that on to show how good good it looks you know what i mean because that film even though obviously it's you know seven or eight years old now as you say it's timeless it still looks breathtaking and you know there's few things that could look better on you know obviously there's only one man i know who's got what he'd call a home cinema gags hope <laughs> listening. Uh, but on my normal telly uh, there's few things that would look better than that and i mean it just looks stunning doesn't it it really does what, what about yourself, Sue? You got any thoughts on, on that scene at all? In in one word, I'd just say it's it's huge. It it must have looked brilliant in IMAX because I, I got a similar feeling about The Dark Knight Rises when you were seeing some of the cityscapes and you're yeah. actually having to crane your head around the whole screen to take it all in. And that's the big difference, the way Nolan has depicted Gotham as this gigantic city, whereas the previous directors, it didn't look big. It didn't look anywhere near as big and, and dark as, as Gotham was. It must have looked brilliant to be blown up that big. And it's, again, like you said with Morgan Freeman, the class that he brings to it, he's got a little bit of finesse. And then to, to finish off the way they do where he leaves with the, the plane coming and catching the, uh, the balloon line, it's so Hollywood. It, it's so oh, It's almost overly Batman. It's like... Adam West Batman, it's a little bit <laughs> of all of all the ways. It's almost, to it's almost he, Mission Impossible, isn't it? Yeah, it's he, he could have had a jetpack yeah. or a helicopter or the yeah. Batwing, but no, there's a balloon on a bloody great piece of rope, <laughs> and then a massive old style plane flies in and just carries him away. It's it's cheesy brilliance shot against an amazing backdrop it's it's superb yeah no summed up perfectly they agree with every word you have all said the next scene we're going to look at is another one of those iconic scenes Um, this one is uh, the one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes nice dress uh it's a it's a t-shirt until you tried it on same goes for your health care that's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
fundraiser and the Joker's arrival and threatening Rachel. If 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 you could start us off with this one, please, Stu, with any thoughts or observations. I must admit, out of the whole film, it's not one of the scenes that really grabs me so much. Mm-hmm. The best bit in it clearly is the it shows more of an insight into the Joker when he throws Rachel off the roof when he says let her go very poor choice of words <laughs> again there's there's no scenario where he can't throw in a punchline or a, or a zinger he's just about to hurl this woman to her death and then when he comes back to it something like an hour and a half later that's the moment when he starts working out batman he starts to know maybe not necessarily who's underneath it in terms of the name but he knows what kind of a man he is that he's going to launch himself out of a window to save one person and potentially have left a whole room full of people with armed thugs who could have just slaughtered them all i totally agree there that that moment obviously it's such a such a, a funny line and such a funny response to what batman said but as you say it tells you so much about the depths he'll go to and also it gives him that clue as you say as to how strongly Batman feels about Rachel and his determination to, to save her. What, what about your thoughts on this one, please, Rory? I'm a little bit with Stu. The, the one part of it, one part of that scene that I, I really love is when when the Joker, Rachel kind of dominates the room and, and you know, kind of approaches him and, and says it has to stop. And he basically, he, he kind of staggers over and adjusts his hair and says, well, hello, beautiful, or something along <laughs> those lines. And it's that moment of he's just, he just plays it so, you know, it's just such a perfect performance. And and that scene, he's, you know, he does look like a a genuine, like a guy that's trying to impress a woman, you know, and and with all the the makeup and the, you know, the circumstance and stuff, it's just, it's such such a clever little, you know, any, any point, like Stu says, he gets to get the line in there. You know, it's just so perfectly scripted. And yeah, again, Every scene in the film has, has something about it that's subtle, but I think when when Joker's on, you know, on screen, it it just kind of raises it. It raises the bar a little bit, and so you kind of just watch out for any scene he's in, and it just instantly kind of grabs you a little bit further. So yeah, it's 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 a good scene. Yeah, no, totally agree. What about yourself, Nina? Any thoughts on this scene at all? Yeah, I mean, I love the fact that, you know, again, he, the wordplay uh, when he's like, uh, let her go, and he just says very poor choice of words, and he just throws her. It's just brilliant. It's shocking, but it's brilliant. But I think what I absolutely loved when she kind of went, again, that was really funny when he was, when he was actually trying to chat her up and he gave her the whole story <laughs> about how he got the scars. You know, this story just changes. I, think I he, love how it changes. Yeah, yeah, it just constantly changes. And when that guy sort of stands up to him, the elderly gentleman, and he's like, you remind me of my father and I hated my father. You know, he brought so much to um, each scene all the time. And I love the fact that when she kicks him and he goes, a little fight in you, I like that. And then obviously the Batman walks in and says, well, you're going to love me and then just sort of cracks him across the face. It's just, it's all about him again. For me, he, he just completely makes that scene. Yeah, no, totally agree. I I think, obviously, I love all all the Joker parts, but I also like 
that it shows you Bruce Wayne's decisiveness when he works out what's going on. He just chokes Harvey out completely pragmatic, takes him out of the game, gets him out of there, and then gets ready to obviously come back himself as Batman. I also loved, you know, Rachel, her strength and her bravery. You know, she didn't have to get involved, but she saw him threatening the old man or about to, you know, do, do him serious damage. And she got involved and took control and, and essentially put it on her, which is a very brave thing to do. And although she's such a strong character, you could see, and, and obviously the sound and the, 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 the background music building the tension as he comes up and he's around her, and you can feel yourself getting tense because you know what's coming. And, you know, this is the last thing any person wants to be is with the Joker's attention on them like that. And you know you feel like this could be really, really bad. And then Batman intervenes, as you say, with that, then you're gonna love me after she's after he says a little fight in you. I love that, as you say, Nina. And I just I, I just really enjoy that scene. The next scene we're gonna look at is uh, essentially the scene with Al- Alfred, where essentially Alfred really helps helps Bruce to understand what he's dealing with. He's sort of underestimating the threat the Joker feels to him. He's underestimating that threat that's coming from him and his motivations. And obviously Alfred helps him to understand a bit more what he's dealing with. Uh, I'll start with you, please, on this, Rory. So, yeah, again, you know, Michael Caine's performance, I think, is he in every Nolan film? I think he is in every Nolan film. So he's... Um, he's in. He's, in, he's definitely in most of the, like, since Nolan's made it big, I think he's in all of those oh, anyway. Oh, yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. So he's obviously in the trilogy. Um, mm-hmm. And he plays he plays the part well. You know, he's that kind of... He's always on, you know, Bruce Wayne's shoulder. He's always he's, he's always the kind of voice of reason and the, the, mm-hmm. the voice of... You know, don't underestimate a character. He, I think he, he leads him to more believe that it's not all about him being psychotic. He, he kind of gets him to believe that this guy is a genuinely intelligent, worrying threat that you need to take seriously. Because um, I think before that point, like you said, you know, there, there may be elements that he believed that, but he, it's, he kind of reinforces it. And Michael Caine's, you know, it's it's a good role he plays in the film, and he has a couple of other kind of stronger scenes, and, and especially in the in the in the following film after that as well. So um, yeah, I think he he brings apart quite a lot, and yeah, it's a good scene again, like they all are. <laughs> no, you're right. They, 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 very true. They're all good scenes, aren't they? What about you, Nina? Well, I think Michael Caine is just he's just a class act, isn't he? I mean, he plays. Alpha's role so well and you know he he is the voice of reason he's he's like a father figure to Bruce you know he's just that scene in itself as well the first time I I remember watching the film it did a lot of explaining for me as well because he, he kind of just basically told Bruce Wayne that some people just do this for fun you know like the Joker's just doing this for kicks there's no agenda there's no motive he's just trying to mess up the establishment and it's important to have that scene because for me, as somebody who was watching it, it helped the audience as well as helping Bruce in the film. So for me, it was really important to have that scene. And I just think, you know, he just... Obviously, it's not an iconic scene. It's probably not one of the best, but it was important for it to be there. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And as you say, both of on. Kane brings that gravitas to it as well throughout all three films and just a, a constant touch of class throughout them all. Proper English gentleman. Yeah, very much so, very much so. 
Did you have any thoughts on this one at all, Stu? Only a brief one. Uh, for me, the, the scene's made just by that one line from Alfred that, that Nina's just touched on. Some men just want to watch the world burn. I think that the film's got a lot of really powerful one-liners in it, and that's yeah. one of the best. And that, that sums up the Joker perfectly. Sometimes he's got an agenda, other times he's just doing it because he's awake, he's bored, he's got no, no other reason to do it than he just wants to. Uh, totally agree, and that that's definitely one of my favourite lines, if not my favourite line in the whole film. To be honest, it, it it really it really helps. You know, obviously Bruce Wayne is extremely intelligent, and I, I like that these films show that you really get an idea of that, and you see some of his detective skills and things like that. But he can't understand the Joker as he's got this sort of simplistic view of of how criminals are, and I like that Alfred with his experience and his, his wisdom from life, is able to sort of shine a light on how this guy is different from anything he's faced before. And I really like how it, how it sort of links back to in Batman Begins at the end where Gordon mentions escalation. You know, Batman's new type of crime fighter has brought about this new type of criminal with totally different motivations uh, than just mere greed. And it's something, obviously, Batman's never seen before. But... Alfred's obviously seen something similar in someone in, a, in his life earlier on, and I just really enjoyed that. Now going to look at, um, I'd say, probably the best best scene in the film, really, uh, the Joker's interrogation by firstly Gordon and then Batman, and then Batman's choice of who to save following that and the aftermath of that, really. So it's those scenes together, really. Uh, what about your thoughts on this, Stu? I know you like this scene from, from earlier. Yeah, as as I said before, this this is my favourite scene. The way it starts off, he's he's brought into a darkened room by Gordon, and he, as he's leaving, he goes, "Oh, good cop, bad cop, hey." And Gordon goes, nah, "Not exactly." Then, as soon as the lights come on, you see Batman behind him. He slams his head into the desk, but then he goes straight back to the comedy by saying, "Oh, you shouldn't work on the head first because I'll get all woozy." So to try and demonstrate it, he punches him in the hand, and he just sits there completely stony faced and goes <laughs> see even in the midst of a beating he can still come out with again one of the, one of the best sort of passages of dialogue in the film and by this point his makeup's gone all moldy and he's being tossed around the room but he never stops laughing every time he gets hit he could be breaking a bone and he never stops laughing truly psychotic by far my favourite part of the film, even though it's one of the shortest scenes. Yeah, no, uh, I love it myself. I love that sort of contrast between the two of them. And it's just, you know, you've got a Batman who's all about order and rules, whereas you've got the Joker who's all about chaos and no rules. And, and obviously Batman, despite being intelligent, is one of his main weapons is, is this physical strength, but he's completely powerless with the Joker because... It doesn't. It, he enjoys it. He enjoys the fact that he's making him angry, and I, I love that clash of these two different perspectives with these two intelligent, evenly matched characters going at it. And I love that sort of the fact that the joke is so good that Batman's rendered powerless, really, in that scene. What about yourself, Nina? Did you really like this scene at all? I, I absolutely loved it, and you know, mm-hmm. I think. 
Stu being uh, an enthusiast just absolutely nailed that. But one of the things that I kind of picked up on that scene when um, he sat down with Batman and they had a, they have a little conversation across the table and he's trying to convince Batman that he's nothing like them and you're, you know, you're an absolute freak like me. And, and then he says that line, like, you complete me. And, you know, it's just, <laughs> there's, there's just so much. And obviously when getting battered and tossed around the room and he's laughing and, you know, he is pure psychotic as, as Stuart just touched on. And, um, and he kind of gives him the ultimatum of like, Rachel's at this place and uh, Harvey's at this place and the way he kind of plays them works them all up against each other and and also another thing that I absolutely love is the fact Batman Bruce he's quite calm when it's just obviously Harvey that's missing as soon as he hears that Rachel's gone as well and you just see the change yeah you know he goes absolutely ballistic and you know he becomes more aggressive and you know it's just it's just a brilliant scene no, could t- totally agree with with every word of that. Seeing the two of them going at it, as you say, is great anyway. But then it just goes up a massive notch once he realizes, obviously, Rachel's in in, in you know in such great threat. What about yourself, Rory? What what were your thoughts on this scene? I think I think uh, like you said, Joe. Really, I, I I love the fact that Batman's the one. Um, you know, Joker's the one that's locked up in the room. Yeah, he's the one that holds all the cards. He's in complete control. You know, he's in complete control of the situation and complete power of the situation. He wanted to be in that situation and he's absolutely reveling in being in that situation. To see him literally getting 10 bells of shit kicked out of him, you know, and like you said, broken bones and and he's got that laugh. The laugh (laughs) is just tremendous all the way through the film, you know, and it just transcends. It just gets more and more dark as he goes on, but it just becomes more and more mesmerizing, you know. Um, And obviously he he doesn't succumb to physical pressure. It's it's the way Batman would normally tackle a situation is using his strengths, like you said. And he just, he doesn't know what to do. You know, he just applies more and more force, but that's exactly not, you know, it's not going to change anything. Joker is calling the shots and when he wants to tell him this is the scenario with Rachel and this is, you know, he's going to tell him when he's good and ready after he's got a beat and he could have told him within two minutes, you know, he could have avoided it. It's not about that. It's about that he, he's enjoying every second of being in that room. Like Nina said, I think, you know, you know, Christian Bell does raise the emotion levels a bit in fairness to him. And as soon as he knows Rachel's in trouble, it heightens everything. And, and that's, you know, that's, that's quite pivotal because, you know, you do know of his obviously affections for Rachel, but, and it's obviously known throughout, but he's never wanted to give up the cape for it. Do you know what I mean? And you feel like mm-hmm. he's obviously trying to move towards that's that's his resolution. But obviously the the situation is is taken out of his control. No, you're spot on. As you say, it's it, it's the it's the Joker at his worst, really. He's he's created this this horrible dilemma for Batman. It's like you've got the, the girl he loves on one side and on the other side is, is the guy who he hopes to make enable him to be able to give up this you know, being Batman and able to live his life as he as he hopes with with the girl of his dreams, and it's like the two things together. But obviously, as we, as we've touched on, even that's no contest because his feelings for Rachel are so strong. But it just shows, you know, how the Joker is that he could create such a horrible situation for someone that's you know that's the depths of his mind coming through there. Really, I like as well in this scene where Gordon initially is feels Batman's in control. 
and I love the way obviously it dawns on him that that's just the control is well and truly gone. It may have been an act of, of intimidation initially, but after a while he, he's fully onto it that this is a Batman himself might really lose control here. Just going to look now at another scene also involving the Joker and the depths he'll go to is obviously the famous scene of the two boats with the obviously rigged to explode. Hey, I'm going to start with you on this one, Nina. What are your thoughts on, on this scene? I think for me, this was probably the most horrific scene, you know, purely because there was just a large volume of people involved. And watching it yesterday kind of heightened how atrocious and how, you know, how psychotic this man is purely because of what's been going on in the world. You know, it was a pure act of terror. And, you know, this guy has no boundaries. And the fact that he kind of pitied Gotham's civilians versus the most wanted convicts. And, you know, th- th- he gave them detonators to each bot, um, to each, you know, to each bomb for each bot. And it's just, it's just pure ruthless, pure evil. And just the whole, the whole building that he was in. And obviously when Batman found him and he had hostages taped up to guns, you know, so when the SWAT team came in, they'd be killing innocent civilians and Batman was trying to save everyone. And, and also the whole, that scene was so intense on the ferries as well. You know, where, you know, there was massive unrest and, you know, the civilians wanted to, you know, wanted to take a vote, wanted to blow up the convicts. And it was just, there was just so much going on. There was just so much intensity. And you as a viewer really felt it. It was, I remember the first time watching it and it was, you were on the edge of your seat thinking, what on earth is going to happen? Is he going to win? Are they going to choose to detonate the bomb? And obviously they didn't. And it was, it was just, a, it was, again, it was shot so well. Just, the, yeah. you know, from, from the ferries to Batman sort of trying to get to the Joker, just the contrast between the two scenes, I thought was brilliant. Well shot. Yeah, yeah to- totally agree. That's a great point you make as well, that those two scenes going on at the same time, it's like, it's so intense and there's so much tension across both those parallel things that are going on at the same time. And it's just so, so gripping, really. What about yourself, Rory? What are your thoughts on, on those, those scenes? Yeah, I, I just echo that in terms of, I, I love the fact that moral compass, uh, compass aspect of it. I, you know, it's it's a boat full of families and kids and, and your kind of standard businessmen commuting, you know, to and from work or, 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 the, or the like. And then you've got, obviously got the, uh, the boat full of uh, as many armed, <laughs> as many kind of prisoners as you can imagine. I, I love I love the way it plays out. Obviously, the tension is, is so huge in that scene. And, and when you're watching it, it's, it's extremely gripping. But I love the fact that the remote control is taken out of the guard's hand, taken out of the prison guard's hand um, by probably the largest... Um, actor they could probably find to play that part <laughs> guy's about seven foot tall um, I think his name's and, Tiny in real life you know oh I'm is it really sure. yeah I think oh, so man. yeah he's just and obviously it's truly intimidating and he, he obviously takes it into his own hands throws the remote overboard and and on the other boat it's contrasting really because there's a there's a guy who's almost trying to 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 will everyone to do it because he's saying no, they don't deserve it. You know, look at us compared to them, and, and that kind of whole moral compass thing, which which is what the Joker wants. The Joker wants anarchy, mm-hmm. um, and ultimately, when it doesn't happen, he's at a bit of a loss. You know, it's the yeah. it's the only point in the scene when he's flawed. You know, it's the only point when he he kind of realizes that humanity isn't what it is in his own mindset. Like you said, contrasting between the scenes with Batman and, and the Joker and without, it's it's extremely gripping. 
Yeah, no, you're right there about it. You know, he's he's at a loss. It pulls the rug out from under him, doesn't it? Really, because he's so certain. You know, he wants to show that people are hard, are selfish, they're not decent. Yeah. You know, what Batman's fighting for is, you know, it's a myth. It, you know, it they, they'll turn on him, and this is what they do. And he wants to show how people can be brought low and it's so great that that doesn't happen and as you say when the, the big prisoner stands up everyone on that boat thinks he's going to press the button and yeah. most people at home I'm sure or in the cinema were thinking exactly the same thing and it's totally wrong foot yeah. just just love that scene what about yourself Sue? The best thing about that is up, that scene for me is also probably one of the hardest things right at the end where the Joker says, um, I think you and I are destined to do this forever. And then knowing that he was supposed to make a cameo in The Dark Knight Rises. And when I watched it yesterday, that line really sort of hit home of, well, you're not going to get the chance to do it anymore. And it's such a shame that after such a seminal performance, you don't get to see them doing it even one more time. But it's, no. it, it, it's, it's an interesting scene from a psychological point of view. Every time I watch it, I sort of think, find myself thinking, well, what would I do? Because I, I think everyone would like to think, oh, yeah, you know, I, I could do it. But if you were actually stood there with the lives of hundreds of people in your hand, most people couldn't do it. And I think we would all be more like the businessman. We'd all do it, stand up, and then go back to our seat with our tail between our legs when we accept we just haven't got the metal to just kill a bunch of people for for doing nothing wrong. Yeah, no, the very interesting point you raised there. I think uh, basically I'd like to say totally agree about that. Uh, obviously, it's great dialogue anyway about destined to do it forever, and I love that sort of the way the two of them almost are mirror images. I mean, they're both sort of they're both in a weird way they're both obsessed with being in control, even though the Joker's putting out this act of chaos obviously he wants to create chaos but he wants to be in control of creating it obviously batman wants to create order and he's got this other role of being a playboy and the fact that both of them are doing that i really love the contrast and that you know the joker obviously as he says you know i don't want to kill you i actually need you i couldn't imagine without being without you you know it's entertaining to him and it's you know almost the, the thrill of being in this contest with batman and as you say with the you know that there was possibly going to be a cameo in in the next film and it, it just it just brings it home obviously that loss as well as the mass obviously the massive loss personally for his friends and family it's also a great loss to to cinema really and obviously batman in particular but just cinema in general this you know this great talent uh, gone gone far too young and then the other thing i'd like to say is uh, i love how it ends as well with again going back to the joker going about to start a scar story which is normally you know normally results in bad things happening for the other person but batman actually wrong foots him this time and it's brilliant and like we touched on earlier it's great that you never find out how he got these scars you know we can all come up with our own answer of, of how that happened but we never actually found out and i just really love that i also liked as well the fact that it shows Batman's intelligence in terms of he's learned the hard way about the way the Joker works. Nothing's ever as it seems. And he, he knows there's something wrong with it. It's too easy. And he works out, obviously that, you know, the, 
the people who, who would look like the terrorists are actually the hostages and vice versa. And it shows his intelligence and his learning there. And also the Joker, his intelligence again, and also his, uh, his assessments of things, you know, he, he's intelligent. And although he's extremely confident, he's not arrogant in the sense that he knows his limitations. He actually says, you know, did you really think I would bet everything on a fist fight with you? Obviously, Batman's so much stronger. He, and then he mentions obviously his final, your final ace in the hole. I think he calls it of, you know, Harvey Dent, who he's set off on this. You know, he's gave him that push, as he says, to become Two Face. And obviously, he's got Gordon's family. Any thoughts on that scene at all, Stu? On you know the, the obviously the final scene with the uh, Gordon's family and Batman. Yeah, it's just to to jump back a scene that we never really we never really touched. I loved the unveiling the first time you actually see Harvey as Two-Face, because when, when Gordon yeah. goes to see him, he sort of half turns his face, but just as he turns, the camera cuts to behind him. And I was yeah. really disappointed, because the only Two-Face we've seen was Tommy Lee Jones looking like he had chewing gum <laughs> stuck on his face. <laughs> and he, he was awful. They, they took one of the most psychotic characters, Terrible. and he's supposed to look terrifying. And he looked hilarious, so the way they did Aaron Eckhart, he was brilliant. The way you could see the you could see the inside of his mouth, you could see his teeth and the sinew that's connecting his jaw bones. It was it was brilliant. It was horrible. And every time he moved, he's leaving blood on the pillow, but he doesn't care. He refuses to take the painkillers. So to then see him when he goes into the into the bar because he's trying to chase down the coppers and he's still wearing his dirty suit just like he does in the in the cartoon. So he's literally one side is clean, the other side is just dirty and burnt and and rotten. And the I don't know. It's uh, the only thing I was disappointed with. I I thought they didn't use Two Face as much as they could have done for such a powerful character. He came and went very very quickly, and that disappointed me. When he fell off the ledge, I didn't actually think he was going to be dead. I thought it was going to be the classic hero goes to the edge of the ledge, the body's gone. Oh, where did he go? But I didn't want to see Two-Face lying dead at the bottom. So I was a bit disappointed with that because he could have come back. Yeah, no, that's a good point, Dad. I think uh, as as great a character as, as, as he clearly was, I think he probably suffered from how good the Joker was and you probably couldn't fit as much of both in as you would have liked. And he unfortunately suffered. And I, I totally agree with you there that we didn't get, you know, Obviously, I'm sure for the film, I suppose he had to die, but it's a pity for because Eckhart was so good as well, and we haven't been able to really touch on that. He was so good as well. It's a pity we weren't able to see more of him in you know future films. So now I totally agree there. What about yourself, Nina? Have you got any thoughts on that? You know that final scene or or Two Face as a character? I mean, we didn't discuss this scene, but I I love the hospital scene. And, you know, yeah. just a shout-out to Heath Ledger in a nurse's uniform. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, it's brilliant. Oh, yeah. So funny. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, if any, any girl wants to dress up as a hot nurse for Halloween, you can <laughs> Heath Ledger, all right, or don't bother, go hard or go home. <laughs> That's all I'll say on the matter. Yeah, I just love, you know, the way he turned from that scene. And, you know, he, he, he spoke about, I make my own look and all this, and, you know, he used that coin which was heads on both sides. And then when he actually turned to Two-Face, obviously half of the coin was burnt, so it was darker. So this time there was some purpose to it. 
you know, he did decide whether you were going to live or die. And, you know, he he meant it. And with regards to Gordon's family, I mean, watching it, it was he, he was kind of reminiscing about, you know, how he had to tell Rachel that everything's going to be fine. And God, you know, and he's making Gordon reenact the whole scene that tell your son it's going to be fine. Tell your son it's going to be fine. And, you know, knowing that it wasn't going to be, it was just, again, I, I agree with you. He shouldn't have died. He could have been a really, really good character. But then I agree with you, Joe. I think in within this film, I think there wasn't enough room for so many strong, great characters. And, you know, unfor- well, fortunately, it was the Joker that was just stealing the show on everyone. Yeah, no, totally agree, totally agree. And that bit you've just touched on as well, you know, at at the end with Fretton and Gordon's family, uh, and in particular his son, they're so hard to watch, you know, considering it is a comic book film, and obviously it's got a hell of a lot of darkness throughout it, but that scene in particular is such a hard watch where he's actually got to reassure his son that he'll be all right when he knows that that may not be the case. And obviously we've we've hardly mentioned, because there's so many people, but Oldman again throughout, class act, just brilliant, you know, just just adds quality throughout the film, doesn't he? What about yourself, Rory? Have you got any thoughts on on, on those uh, final scenes or any of uh, the two-faced scenes at all? I think I, you reiterate what, what Stu said about the, the CGI and the, the effects. It's It could have easily looked poor, to be honest, and but he looked terrifying. And it was such clever camera shots because, you know, they panned away every time you, you were about to see that side of his face. It's that kind of dark shadow that, you know, ran across his nose. And, yeah, yeah he's, he, he's a very good actor in it, like we said. And I think there would have been more scope. I'd, I'd love to know, you know, if there was a director's cut, because I'd imagine Nolan could probably put another hour on that film because the way he kind of <laughs> produces things um, and, and whether there'd be more room. But I think you've got to look at it, like Nina said, and I think the Joker just such such a pivotal role. And I think in, in production, if you, you'd, you'd look at all those scenes and, and look at all the, the strengths that goes into it, they're the scenes you, you kind of become reliant on. You know, they're the scenes that everyone obviously talks about and they're so memorable um but you know the hospital scene is incredible i love the fact he doesn't react which amazes me because um he's legend it's it's clearly looking like the joker in a in a nurse's outfit and a mask and he doesn't react one bit until he takes the mask off and sees his face yet the fact that he's got his green hair and his makeup and everything (laughs) else it's just he doesn't blink it's quite brilliant and the, the final scene is great. I, I mean, Oldman, like you said, I, we haven't talked about him really. He's he's great in all the films. He's such a gifted actor. He's had such a kind of... Uh, he's obviously had a very long and prominent career. Um, but again, I think these kind of films, like like with many other actors, gave him a bit of a, a resurgence into slightly different cinema, a slightly kind of more modern part and, and slightly different style. And 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 he and he does play it really well. He's all, he's always the very balanced, level-headed, very smart, you know, very cunning. And the scenes he's kind of duped the Joker into capturing him, which ultimately the Joker wanted, but. You know, he, he plays he plays all the scenes extremely well, but it's it's the he doesn't play them with very much strong emotion. And obviously, when his his son's there and his family's there, and they're the things you could see he always cares most about. Obviously, you know, his city aside and the people in the city aside, and yeah, it's it's a shame he dies so soon. I think, like Stu said, there could have been some scope, um, but 
the, the final scene plays out really well and obviously it's all about Batman becoming almost the villain and, and, and becoming everything that he didn't want to be, you know, and, and but he, he felt it's for the good of the city and, and the overall good of the good of the people. So it's it plays out really well at the end. Yeah, no, and uh, as you say, that he shows that that true heroism really taken to its extreme. You know, he'll actually let the city think bad of him despite everything he's done for that greater good. And I think obviously, and then it's good that the mirroring of obviously Harvey Dent was regarded as the White Knight. And now, like the title, he becomes the the Dark Knight, and I just think it's a a really great end to a great film, and I think that's probably a, a good place uh, to end the podcast, really. So, uh, thanks very much for joining me, all three of you. I've really enjoyed uh, hearing your thoughts, and uh, I've learned a lot about the film. I, I absolutely love. So, thanks again to you all for joining me. I'm just going to ask uh, if there's anywhere where people can find more of your thoughts. Uh, so, I'll start with you on this, please, Stu. But be your Twitter handle or anything else where you'd like to plug, please go ahead. Well, I may as well just plug me Twitter. It's a bit of a weird one. It's me name with all the vowels taken out. So it's S T R T B R D S N. Or if you want to say it, it's Sturt Birdson. <laughs> Easier um, said do, than done. Yeah, I do occasionally blog, but not very often because I'm a bit too lazy. Pull your finger out, mate. Pull your finger out. <laughs> I might try. And, uh, uh and nina yeah but before um i get to plug in uh i just want to you know shout out Stu there i mean we were tweeting each other and he was like take it easy on yamanibi he's absolutely just nailed it tonight and you know Amazing. yeah I've, I've just been sat there just like just listening to you has been like a massive education so and and i follow him so i can't recommend him enough follow him if you're a liverpool fan he is a must follow and for me yep I mainly work on AI, and you can follow me on Twitter at LNinaCalza. And thank you for having me, Joe. No, thanks for coming on again. I've really enjoyed it, and I echo your thoughts completely on Stu. You've been a great guest, and is a great follow. What about you, Rory? I'm on AI mostly. I'm doing a little bit of podcasting, not as much as I, I have been, but I've got some stuff to wrap up at work, and once I do that, I'll probably be on a lot more, writing a little bit more for AI as well um, and generally found on, on Twitter making a nuisance on myself really I would like to reiterate uh, how good Stu's been um, I wanted him to come on to this because I knew how much he loved uh, <laughs> this film and these franchises and stuff and I thought he'd be perfect and he was which is really good um, and Nina as well always insightful and I just I love coming on this pod mate I, I think you do an absolutely brilliant job you don't get enough praise you put in so <laughs> much effort into these pods man I mean you, you do oh, prep thank work you. none of these other guys oh. do prep work man do you know what I mean they just go why is an agenda two minutes I know Nina Nina does a lot of work a lot of work editing and all the other stuff um, and uh, you know but you you send an agenda like a week in advance man you know you really do you're an absolute pro i mean in the past i've had agendas like 15 minutes before a pod so you know what fair play to you Gags usually Aww. gives me an agenda as we're going on he just keeps typing an agenda at you do you know what i mean so um oh, you... i would say and there's so many other films man the scope of this is great um i think oh. Stu should run off and do a marvel marvel dc special you know oh, oh please do podcast it, well I'd, I'd, please do and thank you for all the kind words you're, you're all far too kind and and thank you for inviting me on i've actually had a lot of fun oh brilliant so oh, thanks thanks to you all for coming on and thanks for the 
extremely kind words. Really appreciate them. And uh, just thanks so much for coming on. Uh, I'd just like to thank anyone and everyone for listening. Really appreciate it. Um, if you would like to give any feedback or any suggestions for future films, uh, please uh, get me on Twitter at Joe Simpson at Wolf underscore tickets LFC or at AI Movie Night at AI Movie Night and I'd also encourage anyone who hasn't already please download the, the AI app it's free on iTunes and it's it's got a bit of everything it's got numerous quality football articles it's got numerous football podcasts it's also got various uh, other sport podcasts and it's also got a range of entertainment podcasts you know it's got something for everyone and you don't have to listen or read it all but it's definitely got something for every taste so uh, thanks for listening and uh, look forward to the next show thank you you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.